0: We've all heard and read the news reports. This is the hottest summer on record around the globe. According to Scientific America, July of 2023 is currently the hottest month ever recorded on Earth, and likely the hottest in about 120,000 years. This also means everyone is using a lot more electricity in an effort to stay cool. Whether it's running multiple fans or the air conditioner on full blast, the excess use of energy puts a huge strain on the grid. And according to the EPA, this added strain on the grid, prompted by these long periods of extreme heat, can lead to power outages. But it's not just the electrical grid that's feeling the heat. Your wallet is too. Because along with an increase in electricity usage comes higher utility bills. At the beginning of July, the National Energy Assistance Directors Association predicted that the average home energy bill will increase by nearly 12% this summer. Plus, we're not just using more electricity during these heat waves, we're also using more water. And with current predictions around climate change, it doesn't seem like we're in for a break from these hot temperatures or high utility costs anytime soon, or really ever again. The last two episodes of Grown Up Stuff, we talked about both renting and buying a home. And one of the major costs we have to consider in that budget is utilities. But what exactly are utilities and what's included? While we know that energy and water bills are increasing across the globe due to climate change, how can we better understand our utility bills and save money whenever we can? Let's figure it out together and start taking notes because this is
1: Grown Up Stuff
2: Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry.
1: in that case, I pronounce you
0: lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to another important episode of Grown Up Stuff, How to Adult. This is a show where we grow up and glow up one episode at a time by breaking down adulthood challenges. Now, I genuinely hope everyone is finding ways to stay cool and safe during this truly unprecedented summer. I mean, it's hot everywhere right now. Even the polar bears are sweating, honestly. But Matt, <laughs> how are you doing? Are you staying cool out there, MBK? Uh,
1: I am. Well, okay, no, I'm not. But I also just got back. <laughs> <laughs> I am right now, but it's truly not great here. But, you know, my wife and I have really been trying to cut down on our bills because last summer, we got hit with a $700 energy no. bill. No, just because of how much we were using our HVAC system, this kind of blew our minds. We got really angry about it, but it kind of forced us to like get into the bill itself and like why we were being charged so much. And what we really found out is our windows are really, really drafty. So we ended up saran wrapping our windows, which is like a product you can buy uh, at Home Depot. And you kind of like, you use a, a hairdryer to sort of like seal it tight. And really what it does is it closes up those drafts so that you're not constantly pumping heat or uh, or air conditioning out your windows and just losing a bunch of money. You can't open your windows. That's the only problem. So we're not opening them. Forget <laughs> fresh air.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, you're stuck that. with that HVAC. But,
1: yeah, but that HVAC <laughs> is delivering that, that cool, cool, frosty breeze um, in, in our apartment.
0: I would freak the fuck out if my bill was $700. It
1: was not cool. We were we were both very mad at I
0: freak it, yeah. out just at my general summer utility bill. Like that's it's insane and yeah. my building just started doing something called grid rewards where they're basically telling you about like grid events where they anticipate really high usage so in order to lower your bill mm. they they give you time frames about like 4-hour chunks where they say, "Hey, turn off or don't use as many things that run on electric as you can to help lower, A, the stress on the grid and your costs. So I actually think that like I'm also saving a bit of money this summer.
1: I love that for you. Uh, And here to help us all save a little bit of money this summer and beyond is Lucas Hall.
4: I'm Lucas Hall, and I am a senior director of product at Zumper, which is a large rental marketplace. I have a long line of real estate tech professions and bought my first rental property to impress a girl. Then I started dating that girl and we've been married for 15 years.
0: Lucas now owns five properties in three different states and he's something of an expert when it comes to understanding utilities, who pays for what, and how it all gets measured. Thank you so much for joining us first and foremost. Let's start with the most basic of questions. What are utilities and who is responsible for paying them?
4: I like to think of them as everything that you need to survive, essentially. There's must-have and nice-to-have utilities. The must-haves are the things like electric and water and sewer and then even trash. But the nice-to-haves are like Wi-Fi and <laughs> and uh, phone cell service, essentially. and. It's different in every state. It's probably even different in every county in some states where a lot of times a landlord or the property manager is responsible for paying the utility. And then in other places, it's the renter. And then if you happen to go actually go buy a house and own it yourself, then you are the one stop shop and you have to pay for everything. So no matter where we live, what
1: exactly the utilities that we're responsible for, we are going to have to go about finding service providers, whether it's water company, whether it's gas, whether it's electric. So if you're moving into you know a new area where you're not as familiar with what those companies might be, what is the best way to go about finding service providers in your area?
4: Yeah, if you move into a new place, chances are your landlord or your property manager will say, here are the utilities that you're responsible for per your lease, and here are their phone numbers, give them a call or sign up on their site and get your account set up. And back in the olden days, somebody would literally come to the house and like turn on a big switch out by the street that turned on your water and, and then connected the electricity. And nowadays it's just all on all the time. And only in rare cases will they actually come to your house and shut something off. So when you're setting something up, it's just a matter of putting it in your name. And then basically that day you'll start getting billed or you'll start having to pay for that electricity you use. If you don't want to use, you know, that provider that was probably recommended to you, that's your choice. And a lot of times, and, and you can go shop it around. You just might have to do a little bit of research and Google it and figure out who the next best customer is or next best provider. But i found that oftentimes, it's usually best to go with the biggest provider, even if it is a little more expensive because you're gonna get that level of service and undisrupted utility that you might expect when you're signing up for something.
0: While your best chance of getting a good deal is to shop around and do your research and see what other utility companies are offering in your area, in some cities and towns, you may not have an option. For example, Con Edison is really our only energy provider option here in New York City. However, Lucas explains that as green energy becomes more popular, you might begin to have more options than you think.
4: One thing that I think is catching on is green powered energy, right? Like solar or wind energy. And depending on how much energy is being produced by those green sources, uh, it might make it actually cheaper. So if you want to be earth conscious, you can start looking for those too. And they're a little harder to find because they are not as common. And in my experience, wherever I've lived, it's always been like slightly more expensive, but sometimes it's worth it if you want that on your conscience, right?
0: If you care about the future, yeah, Yeah. generally.
4: (laughs) right. it
1: actually gets into a really interesting point, which is, you know, in the situation where you're stuck with one provider, like I'm kind of stuck with Con Ed in New York. But there are these uh, things called ESCOs, energy service companies that work with Con Ed, where you can kind of swap out where you get your energy from. And I was actually able to work with one in New York uh, called Green Mountain Energy. And so it actually ended up being a really great situation because I was able to work with this company that I can't necessarily change to invest in green energy at a lower rate. Could you explain like what are ESCOs in general and how you might be able to work with them in different ways, especially
4: in a situation where like you're locked in with one company? Congress has passed lots of laws preventing monopolies as best they can. And that allows companies to go provide energy. And the big companies, even if they are the only one in New York City, have to somehow allow it. And a lot of times it's like sharing the grid. They're sharing you as a customer if you sign on it, because ultimately you're still you're still in charge, like you still are the customer, you still get to choose where you get your energy from. And they may not be able to necessarily give you that exact same power. So I hope I don't burst your bubble. But it's, it's not like your electric line, or your electric grid right outside your building is getting that green Power specifically because you signed up. It means that they have 4,000 customers in New York City that have signed up for this green energy. Therefore, they're sending that much electricity through the grid to feed that area, right? And then it kind of offsets the total amount of kilowatts used, right? And in that case, it's making a dent, but it might not necessarily mean that there's two types of electricity and you're getting one and the other people are getting the other. It's all electricity, right? Just some of it comes from a different source. And and I'm glad that, that they were able to make it cheaper. Like, that's amazing. So good for you. And honestly, if I were you, I'd be telling everybody I know to go sign up for that. Because think about the downstream effect of this. Is like you sign up for this type of energy and then that provider, let's hope they're trying to improve... The energy usage in this planet and hopefully as they get more profitable and more customers then they will pay for more solar farms and pay for more windmills and and pay for more sources that then provide more energy and it's this like positive feedback loop and then ultimately there becomes a tipping point where the big electric or old-fashioned electric companies right they will say hey listen that company is making a whole lot more money than we are and they're going to start adapting to the newer models of generating electricity. You know, it does have an effect and if no one does sign up and stick with it, then it's never going to take off. Put your money where your mouth is is probably the best analogy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. I want to backtrack a little bit cuz you when you were talking about the things that certain municipalities require whether the owners to pay and cover versus the renters, should we just be checking our municipality's website to figure out oh, this is what our landlord should be covering. This is what we're going to be responsible just to make sure that we are, again, that the landlord's not trying to, I guess, potentially pull one over on us.
4: Yes, the municipal websites will talk about that. They usually have some sort of utility page that describes who the main providers are. And then if there are other options um, that they approve of, then actually that's a really good spot to go see what your competitors look like. The other aspect of it is like to follow up and see if your landlord's paying the ones they should. And if a landlord is absolutely required to pay it by default, then it's not like they're going to have an option, really, to pass the buck on to you, at least formally through the utility company. But that doesn't overrule what your lease might say. The other aspect there is that A lot of times you might have a a flat utility fee. I've seen that a ton, is, is where there's like, here's your rent, and then here's, you have to pay an additional $300 because that's the average of 12 months of utilities for all these different vendors kind of grouped together, and that's the closest number. And then it sounds like in New York, a lot of times you don't even have a line item that says utilities. You just pay rent, and the landlord has figured out on the back end how much he needs to charge for rent in order to make sure all of his expenses are covered with the utilities. And that's the third and sometimes most common option when the landlord's paying the
0: utilities. That kind of leads to another question. When should we start going about to getting our utilities set up?
4: I tell my tenants that the day after they sign a lease is when they should be calling the utility companies to set up accounts. So I try to give them a cheat sheet and say, here's what I recommend. They're here the only providers in some cases and set it up as fast as possible and in most cases you can set up a utility to change over to your name or to create a new account in your name for a certain date in the future and so i just tell them hey make sure that utilities are in your name and they're on by the start of your lease but it happens oftentimes where there is a little bit of a gap between renters in in a property or a unit and so if a place is empty it's actually much better to have the utilities continue to run, even if no one's living there, because they won't be used that much. But it's better to do that than to turn it off and turn it on, because oftentimes there's like a $99 activation fee or turn off, turn on fee. Let's
1: say um, we're moving within a city. Does it make sense to just transfer an old address to a new address? Is there a fee associated with that? And if so, does it make sense to set up a new
4: account with a new address? So yes, yes and yes and yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, usually there's a whole hotline for you to do that. There's usually no fee for that, at least in my experience, because they want to retain you. But it's not a guarantee that you're going to keep the same account number. You'll probably keep your same like login. And, you know, if you're if you have online access, you just log in the same, and you'll see a different account number and you may have to set up, you know, automatic payments for that if that's what you want to do. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty easy.
0: In general, utility companies make it super easy for renters to transfer from one apartment to another. However, it's very important that you make sure you call and provide them with an end date for your services under your name. Even if your roommates are staying, make sure you arrange with them for somebody else to take the utilities over. The last thing you wanna be is a cautionary tale who ends up paying for somebody else's electric bill
1: my wife learned the hard way, and I'm hoping people can learn from her experience, that basically, when she was moving out of her old apartment and moving in with me, she left her name on the gas bill. Oh, no. (laughs) And I think about a year later, the gas company in New York called and asked her for about $1,000, and so, She was able over time to prove that she hadn't been living there but it was a complete nightmare and the person who was living there and using the utilities and not paying for it kind of got away with it. So what is the best practice for leaving an apartment with roommates?
4: Yeah, a great question. This I deal with this every single time I have <laughs> renters move out. I have situations where entire households move out; that all the renters go at the same time, and then I have situations where they they cycle out. You know, one person needs to leave, and then somebody else comes in. So, yes, there's two very different paths there. If everybody's leaving, it's super important for whoever has their name on the utilities to go ahead and tell the utility company that, hey, listen, I'm moving out on you know, the 31st, and I need you to cancel my responsibility as of the end of that day. And then if it's just one person, let's say, you know, Susie moves out and Susie actually has the water and the electricity in her name, then it's super important for Susie to realize that she doesn't want to pay for her roommate's <laughs> utilities. So it would be prudent for Susie to just talk to one of her roommates and say, who wants to take over the utility bills? Otherwise, I'm I'm going to turn it off or I'm going to take my name off it when I move out. So that's what I recommend, and that's usually just as easy as a phone call or even going online and adding another user to the account.
0: Yeah, that's super interesting. We talked many episodes ago about credit cards, credit scores, and how it impacts everything. There are also times I'm asked to run a credit report when I open a utilities. Is this commonplace? Talk to me about like how our credit is involved in actually determining our utilities.
4: Yeah, there's multiple factors there. So you are correct. It seems like it's more and more of a best practice for any utility company to run a credit check before they allow you to sign up for service. And I've even seen it with the essential utilities, let's say water, for example, where they're not really allowed to decline you, right? I mean, it's water. (laughs) They can't say, sorry, you don't have enough credit to drink water. Right. But what they will do is if You refuse, which you can in some cases, you can refuse the credit check if it's an essential utility, and then they will oftentimes try to or are allowed to add on like a non-credit check fee. So they could add in another 50 bucks or something if they don't run your credit. And that's kind of like a monetary way to offset their risk that you might be a flight risk or, or someone with really bad credit who just runs up utility bills and then leaves.
0: It's so interesting because I had my identity stolen not long ago and there are obviously the three major credit unions where, you know, they say, go check there, go make sure you take care of whatever you need to there. But then I was also recommended that there are smaller credit kind of bureaus that are associated with utilities. And they were like, make sure you check there, too, because somebody could have opened utilities in your name and it's going to show up on there rather than like the main three. So if we're not paying our utilities bill, this could impact our credit, it sounds like.
4: Absolutely. (laughs) And you don't really want that kind of debt on your credit report because utilities are fairly essential for living, right? If you were to go try to rent a new apartment and they run a credit check on you, which most property managers or landlords do before they sign the lease, and they see that you don't pay your utilities, like, well, are you gonna pay your rent?
0: We'll be right back with more grown-up stuff, how to adult, after a quick break.
2: Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products.
1: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
0: And we're back with more grown-up stuff. How to adults. How exactly are utility companies measuring the amount of energy that we use? And how accurate is it? And how can we be sure that it is accurate?
4: Yeah, that's a point of contention. I, I think a lot of people <laughs> argue it. Because let's kind of walk through the history here. So, the phrase meter maids, right, kind of comes from a variety of different industries, but one of which is that somebody from the electric company, we'll use that as an example, would actually come to your house every single month and they would look at your your panel on the outside and it usually had like some glass dome on it with like some spinning wheels. And that was gauging how many kilowatts that you've used that month. And they would just look at the last reading last month and look at this reading and then charge you the difference. And that was the start of how they would monitor it. And Mm so That meter, that's unique to electric, but every single utility has something similar. So the water utility has a meter somewhere in your house. There's a meter in there that knows how much is flowing through it. Then they got a little more advanced, and they used like radio signals. And so it would some it'd be plugged in. It would like submit a radio signal, and it, they would be able to drive by your house and pick up on the radio signal, and then know how many kilowatts you used. And now uh, it's so advanced that they can either tell just like through the line, and they can tell in their end of the system how much you've been using, or it's like transmitted over cell towers, and no one needs to show up at your house at all. So uh, there is a legit meter you know, if the meter is working right, it is very accurate. And you're just getting billed a simple formula of like how much you use times the rate you agreed upon equals the bill you get. So I would say it's oftentimes very confusing to the consumer, but it's usually pretty accurate.
0: You know, to that point, what happens then when there are power outages, gas leaks, or, you know, boil orders when it comes to water in that case? How does that impact our power usage and how much we get charged? Is that included in terms of what is not used for that month?
4: So rates will fluctuate based on supply and demand. And if they don't have enough electricity being generated to feed their customers, then the rates will be higher. And therefore, those willing to pay the high rate, essentially, will get the product. And it depends on the type of power outage, to be honest. If it's your house or your neighborhood that went out, it has nothing to do with the amount of electricity they're generating to supply their customers, then your rate probably won't change at all. But if it has something to do with the utility company having trouble producing enough energy to feed the customer base, then you better believe they're going to spike their rates.
0: What Lucas is talking about is happening more and more now due to climate change. In February of 2021, Texas was hit with an unprecedented snowstorm and freezing temperatures. Due to the stress on the grid at that time and the demand for energy, the Public Utility Commission raised the price of electricity to $9,000 per megawatt hour. Since then, a Texas appellate court has ruled that the commission broke the law, and Texas legislature has required electricity regulators to winterize power plants to better prepare for more extreme weather in the future. But Matt and I still have a lot of questions about utilities in general. And at some point in our lives, we might find ourselves transitioning from renters to homeowners. And we wanted to ask Lucas about how that move may impact the cost of our utilities and what we have to pay for that we weren't responsible for before. What are some of the things when we transfer from, you know, we're, we've been a renter for a long time and now we're transitioning to owning our own property. What are some of those big surprises that we might not have expected with utilities? How
4: expensive they are. <laughs> they really are <laughs> very pricey and doing things. In your house to make sure that you're not using as much or consuming as many utilities is certainly a way to keep your cost down. So it can be shocking. You know, I think you start to realize that there's oscillations in in the bills. But if you kind of round it out after the first year of homeowning and you kind of figure out all of these bills that you had, you can kind of then budget for it a whole lot better. And that's what I would say is just make sure that you prioritize a couple things that are essential, right? Like you make sure that your utilities are paid. And, and this is maybe controversial is what some people would say but I would make sure that you pay your essential utilities first over any mortgage or any any sort of house payment that you might have because at the end of the day you can kind of go without paying your mortgage a couple months before they really pay notice, right? But then the electricity, you need that to survive, right? Or water, you need that to survive. So those, in my opinion, are even higher on the list of what gets paid first. And you got to make sure that you save enough money every month to deal with it when the electric bill is $500 because it's December. The good news is that I've never come across a utility company that will actually cut off electricity for someone who seems to be in need They'll usually just kind of mark those accounts as not cancelable, in a sense, and they kind of eat that cost if they need to because they certainly don't want to put somebody out or hurt them if they have medical equipment or whatever.
0: I've been observing my utilities a lot lately and thinking about the very different costs between summer and winter. Plus, I mostly work from home these days, so I'm using electricity at various levels all day. But this all got me wondering, is there a right and wrong time to use electricity?
4: Yep, totally. I think electric isn't probably the most well-known for that. It is back to supply and demand. If everybody is craving that electricity during the hours of, you know, four in the afternoon to nine at night when everybody's trying to make dinner and, and everyone's home from work, uh, you absolutely see spikes. And so if you're able to track your own electric usage, which you you probably could if you get your bill, uh, you'll see during the time of day, it usually spikes in the morning when everyone wakes up and then it lulls down if you're working now, now that we're most of us are working from home in a lot of ways, I don't know if it necessarily spikes as much, but uh, but then it usually goes back up when everybody gets home, and then after bedtime it goes back down. And when everybody's putting that hardship on the infrastructure and the grid is when rates are highest, and so they want to make sure that you know the power company has all of their generators going. They have all of uh, everybody's working, everybody's going after it to produce the demand. Now, if you wanted to save money then you could run the electric heavy appliances after like nine o'clock at night or before seven in the morning, and it'll probably cost you half as much.
1: Uh, You just brought up one great way to save money. But, you know, when we look at utilities as a whole, the most impactful way to reduce how much we spend on our utilities is to make our homes as efficient as possible. What, in your opinion, are some of the best ways to make your home efficient?
4: Yeah, I, I think where I've seen the most efficiency saved is making sure your home is well insulated. And, and that doesn't mean like ripping out drywall and putting in better insulation. But uh, it does mean like checking around for obvious winds, right? Like if you've got a drafty window that is always like you can just feel the cold air coming in. You better believe you're just like dumping dollars out that window with the heat. So. Things you can do there where you feel for drafts, feel for like cold spots in the house. And it's probably because maybe there's a piece of siding that's missing and like the elements are just exposed to the interior part of the wall. And if you can fix those, whether you're handy or not, like you're probably going to see a really good return on investment very quickly. So uh, the colder the spot, the better it needs to be insulated.
1: Are there any easy changes we can make in our day to day to save energy? I'm thinking about like turning off your appliances or using smart power strips.
4: Yeah, that's a great call. So it's interesting. A a lot of times in other parts of the country, they will operate off of a power strip. Like they will have one single power strip Hmm. coming off an outlet and they'll have like all of their, you know, entertainment or TV and, you know, players and such like plugged into it. And literally that's how they turn it on. They don't go to the remote and hit the power button. They go, like touch the power strip and flip it on and then it gives power to everything that's there and that is just normal to them it's like a light switch and what that also does is it causes power to truly get shut off to those appliances whereas if you were to do a little research with whatever tv you have you know they talk about energy savings but i promise you you turn that sucker off and it's still eating electricity even if it's off and the only way to really stop that is to cut the power to it completely so Running a power strip to central locations where you're using a lot of appliance and electronics is, is actually a really good idea. Uh, and I, I bet you'd see a difference if you did that everywhere in your
0: house. Utilities are essential, but sometimes they can also go horribly wrong. In March of 2014, there was an explosion in a residential building in the East Harlem neighborhood of Manhattan that was caused by a natural gas leak. The tragic event leveled two five-story buildings and killed eight people. It also resulted in ConEd paying New York State a settlement of one hundred and fifty-three million dollars. We wanted to ask Lucas about the best ways to handle emergency utility situations that we might encounter.
1: I wanted to, to talk a little bit about emergency situations um, because they can arise from you know our utilities. Let's say we're in a situation where like water main breaks, gas leaks, and it might be as simple as call the police. But what are um, the what should we do in those situations?
4: Yeah. I mean, if you're in any danger, you leave immediately. (laughs) You call 911 and you say there's a gas (laughs) leak and I'm not in the building. And they will do everything they can to get everybody out. Uh, You know, water is slightly different. I mean, was it Hurricane Sandy? Yeah, five or 10 years ago. um, That really flooded New York City. And, And in that case, it was really bad because, you know, entire basements or even first floors were flooded and water was mixing with sewage and it was just unsanitary in a lot of ways and it could create a lot of issues with disease. So if it's ever unsafe, you just immediately stop what you're doing and leave and, uh, you know, get to higher ground if you need to or just get far enough away from the building if it's a gas situation. I will say if it's if it is a gas shut off or a gas leak that you can't control, but it's not incredibly bad or it's just started, it might be beneficial to open the windows like as many windows as you can within 30 seconds right and and just create airflow you don't want any sort of high density pocket of gas natural gas to form and that might save an explosion right but if it's too late or it's too bad of a a gas leak you know get out of there as quickly as you can the fire department will deal with it and just stay safe
1: yeah. We had a couple of times where a gas, uh, like we like left a stovetop on we were like, Oh God, we're so dumb. And so we actually installed a gas, uh, mm-hmm. meter or a gas, uh, I guess, detector, uh, you know, in addition to like, you know, smoke detectors and stuff like that, just to, to keep us safe. So that's something I would highly recommend. Yeah. People do that's smart.
0: Lucas, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us. Any final thoughts you want to share with our listeners or final recommendations?
4: You know, TLDR, I think that <laughs> I think that uh, go into it knowing that utility is going to be a part of life, right? It's what's that old phrase that uh, you know the only two things that are certain are death and taxes, and I think utilities you could add to that list. Um, so, you know, utilities are a consumer based product where you just pay for them as you use them, and. Um, you have choices, and sometimes it takes a little more research than others to to find a cheaper option. But if you're struggling to pay uh, the utilities, or you have a hard time uh, in a certain month, look for alternatives, or just call up the utility company and say, "Hey, listen, I'm I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't mean to use that much, and I can't afford it." And they usually will, you know, give you a one time grant. Just a quick story: I had a situation where. The toilet upstairs was just running. You know, we didn't use that toilet very much. And it was just running in the back of the tank. And it was the difference between a normal $110 water bill and a $400 water bill. Wow. And I didn't realize it until the bill came. And I just called them and I said, it was a toilet. And I've, you know, I've had a plumber out there and they fixed it and it's not running anymore. And they said, oh, thanks for letting us know. We grant all of our customers two exemptions a year for stuff like this. I said, great. I didn't even know. Right.
0: That's incredible. So the important lesson I learned here is to just bug my utility company and be like, here's what I've done. (laughs) What can I get? (laughs) Totally. That's amazing. Well, Lucas, thank you so much for joining us. This has been beyond insightful. And I feel so much more equipped to even just lower my current energy (laughs) bill by, you know, shutting off those power strips. Let's start there.
1: (laughs) And Lucas, before you go, could you tell our listeners real quick just where they can find out more information about you and Zumper?
4: Yeah, thank you. So one of the things that we're doing is we're helping to make renting easier and more simple for everybody. Our website is Zumper.com. That's Z-U-M-P-E-R.com. And we are the third largest marketplace and one of the leading marketplaces in all of North America to find your next rental home uh, with lots of options and lots of easy ways to filter through those.
1: That's awesome. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it.
0: Thanks, Lucas. Thank you. I want to thank Lucas again for sharing his incredible knowledge with us today. I have learned so much about utilities, starting with, if you're a renter, who pays for the utilities will change from state to state or even city to city. So check your municipality's website. This will tell you who is responsible to pay for what and let you know what kind of options you have for utilities in your area. As green energy is growing in popularity, even if you only have one provider in your area for electricity, you may have a green energy share program that you can sign up for. Utility companies make it super easy for you to move if you're staying within their network, and they have people designated to help you switch your utilities over from your old apartment to your new apartment. Make sure you give them an end date for your old apartment. You don't want to end up paying for somebody else's electric bill. Power strips are a great way to shut off power to some of your bigger appliances and devices, like your TV. Because even if you have them turned off, if they're still plugged in, they're pulling some energy. Examine your home for drafts. Identifying a drafty window and finding the right way to eliminate that draft will save you money on your heating and cooling bills. And finally, if you encounter a utilities emergency, get out and call 911. If you have time, try to open as many windows as you can on your way out. But ultimately, getting yourself out safely is the priority. That's all for today's episode. Matts, tell us what's next on Grown Up Stuff.
1: Next up is saving for college and other continuing education options. That's right. We're going to dig into the 529 savings account in a very special two-part episode.
0: Wow, I really wish I knew about this before I went to grad school. But also, I feel like I don't even have children right now, and maybe I should start saving for any potential future offspring I have because I can only imagine how expensive it's going to be in 18 to 22, 25 years from now.
1: We'll talk about all the smart ways to save in two weeks on the next episode of Grown Up Stuff, How to Adult.
0: And remember, you might not be graded in life, but it never hurts to do your homework. This is a production from Ruby Studios from iHeartMedia.
1: Our executive producers are Molly Sosha.
0: and Matt Stillo. This episode was engineered by Matt Stillo.
1: And written by Molly Sosha. Special thanks to the Ruby team, including Ethan Fixel, Rachel Swan Krasnov, Amber Smith, Nakia Swinton, Sierra Kaiser, Sierra Spreen, and Andy Kelly.